Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to The Witching Hour. I have some New York Times bestselling author magic for you today. I have the one and only, one of the most magical, elegant women I've ever met, Diana Wentworth herself. But before I bring on Diana, where's Patty? Where's Patty? If you are watching or listening to this, the week we first drop, which is the week of March 13th, 2023, I am probably on a plane coming back from Texas. The Witch's Ball in Dallas, and I'm sure it was fabulous. It's going to have this beautiful Greek theme um, put together by this beautiful group of people. I am honored to be their special guest coming. So I'm on my way home from that, and I'll tell you about it maybe next week. But this week, if you're in the Southern California area, it's time for my seance and ghost hunt with the one and only Linda the Ghost Hunter. Um, I'm sure you've seen her on Ellen because she was on Ellen a lot or uh, with my boys and her boys with Elton Castell and the TFIL Overnight guys um, or all over the place. She's been running ghost tours in Los Angeles area for ever. But that is going to the 18th in the Santa Clarita, Valencia area. It's called Mentryville Ghost Town. It's a real ghost town here in Southern California. We are doing a seance. We are doing a ghost hunt and we're keeping it really little. So it's going to be an intimate, fun, amazing, never before done with the two of us together like this where you guys can come. So that's the 18th if you are or can get to uh, Southern California area. After that, I think my next thing up is going to be Parapod Festival, also in that same area in Valencia. That is both a paranormal convention, uh, sky, sky gazing, Native American, and a film festival complete with awards put on by my friend Tony Sweet. So that's parapodfestival.com. I'm running a panel. I don't, I'm doing all sorts of things. So come on down to that. And then I'm heading back to somewhere to the spirits in the spring. I think it's somewhere in the Midwest. I honestly don't know because where's Patty means I don't know. Spirits in the spring, which is a fundraiser and all sorts of me. It's in Wisconsin. It's in Broadhead. I see how psychic I am. Broadhead, Wisconsin. So that is April 22nd. Um, and from then on in, I'm just all over the place. Oh, Copper Queen. Then I'm going to Copper Queen, back to Arizona, another ghost town, kind of. It's in Bisbee, Arizona, of which I've never been. Copper Queen, it's this old, beautifully haunted. And we are doing a kind of an, again, an intimate. It's a little hotel, not that many people. We're doing seances and ghost hunts. And it's just a few of us in this beautiful haunted hotel in the middle of Arizona somewhere. So that's look up Copper Queen. I have it on my social media. And for all of you, you guys going, this is great, but I can't go anywhere. You stay home and you watch the witches movie come in. Yes, every Wednesday live on Facebook when they let us and my YouTube page, witches talking about witches in movies and TV. And I'm with the best of the best. I'm with Heather Grant, Grant Green, who wrote the ultimate book on witches in movies, Jason Mankey, Richard Leal Lillard, Courtney Buckley. And we talk movies, the good ones, the bad ones, the old ones, the new ones what we like, what we don't like, wands up, wands down, and it's live. So you get to participate in the chat room. You talk to us, you give us your opinion. So every Wednesday, unless we're not there, um, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. 
And don't forget my very affordable online school, University Magicus. I've missed a couple of weeks because I've been out of town, but I'm back to teaching Tuesday nights, mediumship development, psychic development, spellcrafting, magic, familiars, animals, natural magic. And I have about 20 other amazing teachers. So universitymagicus.com or the new one, magicu.org. Real live Hogwarts that we sit here in little Zoom squares and do magic together. So join us. That's where Patty is, right here or in the air, 30,000 feet, I think. Coming in from Dallas. See you there. Hi, everybody. It's Patty. And guess what time it is? What? It's time for the Willow Report. And you're like, wow, she shrunk. <laughs> This is the other willow. Let me tell you about that. Actually, right now, she's outside with about 20 other dogs having a play date in our backyard. And she would just get so mad if I brought her in a little bit early. So I thought I would show you my other willow. This willow, obviously, it's just a little statue. And sadly, I cannot get her to yawn on cue. But this little willow does two things. It's protection for the real living breathing willow because I charged it, I put energy into it. I literally put it on my piano, which is kind of like altar-like to keep her safe, to keep her almost like when you would do a puppet doll or another doll. And when I travel, since I travel so often, when I'm missing her, I take little bitty Willow with me. So I could take a bigger stuffed Willow and I have those too, but sometimes packing, I don't can't carry a lot. And when you're doing something for your altar to protect them, you want something little. So the Willow report. Yawn, yawn, will you? Anyway, I can't find Grace. Willow is on a play date, but I always have little, little Willow. <laughs> Love your babies. And honestly, get a little statue or a little representation. This is supposed to be a Christmas ornament, I think. They make them and then imbue it with protection for your baby and then travel with it when you need. So. And then travel with it when you need. I just ate those last words. So anyway, that's the Willow Report. At least she's not barking this time, right? Okay, for this week's magic, we're going to talk a little bit about kitchen magic. Um, whether we're witches or not, the way we do magic or not, one of the most important places to bring your magic is into your kitchen. Um, now that you don't have to bring in the cauldron, you got an oven, you got a stove, you got a sink, it's all there. So remember, magic is intent, magic is focus. So even if you're just making your kid oatmeal in the morning, you could put a little magic into it. You could sprinkle a little cinnamon on it. You know how we use cinnamon for passion and for energy? Put a little cinnamon on your kid's oatmeal to go to school with work. Now, remember some of the rules of magic and spellcrafting also work in the kitchen, like so long as you're above the equator, stir clockwise to add into something. Again, whether that's your instant oatmeal or your morning coffee or some fancy stew or soup that you're making, I am putting in love. I am putting in magic. I am putting in abundance. We need some more money around here. Stir it in with every vegetable you throw into the pot. But I'm putting in health and abundance and really good things. 
Now, remember when you're counting counterclockwise, you're removing things. Say if you have that morning coffee or you have that morning oatmeal and you're really stressed or you're just not feeling good, counterclockwise, I am removing that stress. I am removing that headache. I am removing the tummy ache that I got from eating that instant oatmeal. <laughs> so bring that magic into your kitchen. And you know how we do a lot of candle work? Candle work in the kitchen, when you want to do a little candle working, use birthday candles. One of my favorite secrets, because you don't have time to run a seven-day candle or a, or, or a, any kind of a candle, but a birthday candle in two minutes. Get that candle out. If you have coffee, if you drink coffee, put some coffee beans in, because as we know from magic, coffee enhances. Coffee energizes just like we drink it. It works your magic cell. So if you're adding some passion, if you're adding some love, pull out a red birthday candle. Maybe you're going to put it into that lasagna you're making. The coffee beans will do it. Light it. Put the energy in as you are layering up your lasagna, as you are baking your fish. Green candle for money. Yellow for love, for health. All, come up with the colors yourself or use the standard colors. Magic is everywhere. Now, if you have things that boil over a lot, if you have things that you forget, you don't have a kitchen witch, do you? Kitchen witches keep things from boiling over. Kitchens keep, keep things in line. They will remind you, wait, I forgot to turn off the pot. What's a kitchen witch, you say? Look online. You can get one anywhere, at magical shops, on Amazon. It could, well, it could even be a Barbie. Actually, if I'm going to turn you right to the side, right to the side, no, the other side. There's a kitchen witch hanging over my head right there. And I'm not even in the kitchen. I've given her a new job. My kitchen witch, I, oh, now I've got to find the hole. <laughs> so find yourself a witch on the broom. She will run the other, if you have other deities or other spirits or other helpers in the house, your kitchen witch will be in charge and she'll give you a happy, healthy kitchen. Lemons in a bowl, besides that they're pretty, besides that they're yummy, they help bring protection. So lots of magical to bring into your kitchen, but more than anything else, it's your thought, it's in your intent. If you're stirring that cake anyway, why do it mindlessly? Or why do it thinking about the horrible things in your life? Put in some more love with that black velvet. Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour. Yes, the hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I have some very amazing and accomplished magic for you today. <laughs> Let me introduce you to my new friend, Diana Wentworth. She is the best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author of like seven or 10 books, including two Chicken Soup for the Soul books. I mean, she's hanging out with the top of the top because she is the top of the top. Um, she has a book, she has a lifetime movie, has bought the rights to her movie about her and her deceased husband. So she's already right up our alley, isn't she? So <laughs> I'm gonna let her explain more because I lost her whole thing on my phone that's haunted. So <laughs> let me introduce to you Diana Wentworth. Diana, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, I'm so delighted to be here. This is just so much fun. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we have a beautiful, loyal audience who just wants to learn, who just wants to learn. Um, so you are one of truly the most accomplished, uh, empowering women power I, I've got to meet today. How, how, did, how did Diana Wentworth come along? How did... How, how did well, I just, I've just had the most incredible life, honest to God. I 
have expected magic all my life, which is the name of my 11th book, which I'm just finishing right now. And it really started uh, very young. Um, I heard a voice when I was about nine or 10. I was terribly lonely. And it said, nothing really bad will ever happen to you. And I remember thinking, well, that's cool. You know, <laughs> where did that come from? And I also had a sense at the time that it didn't mean I was going to just live this circus every day, you know, a party, that um, that everything that happened to me would either be um, either be a gift or a curse. And it was really kind of up to me. And wow. then the thing I think that really brought it to my attention, I was at UCLA uh, in a sorority. And one day they were playing the music really loud. And I said, hey, can you turn the music down? And someone said, oh, Diana doesn't like Elvis Presley. And I had this sudden like feeling, I thought, and I said, actually, I do like him and I'm going to date him someday. I mean, and this just leapt out of my mouth like a frog, you know, and of course I was as stunned as everybody else. Uh, but what happened was two months later, my mother took me on a trip to Europe. We stopped in Paris at the Prince de Gaulle Hotel. And a kid on our tour came running up to me and said, Diana, Elvis Presley's in the dining room. And I'm too scared to ask him for his autograph. So I just went marching in with this kid and talked to him. And long story short, there's actually, I've written about the decision two of my books, but long story short, he invited me to go to the, um, the Lido nightclub with him that night. And that was the beginning of a wonderful friendship. And I have letters from him. But I mean, how did I know that? You know, I mean, it was like, Things like that just don't happen. And I began to pay attention then. And so I've really basically uh, spent my whole life trying to spark delight in people. That I found when I was a kid, you know, I ask, I ask people when I'm coaching, I say, what games did you invent for yourself when you were seven? Because that's a really key age. And I, I remember just wanting to be a waitress and uh, a short order cook and run a restaurant and serve people all this fabulous food and delight them. And uh, so delight has been the word that has kind of run my life. How can I delight other people? How can I connect people all my life? And that started out with a cooking career that was amazing. Uh, my first late husband, Paul Von Wellenetz and I uh, became very, very well known in the food world. We had a cooking school on Sunset Boulevard. We wrote six cookbooks. The first one won Cookbook of the Year Award. And it was kind of like the West Coast Martha Stewart. And uh, that was the pleasure of, the comp of your company that you see on the screen right now. That book won the award. And we ended up with a television show on Lifetime Network. And um, then all of the sudden, I just noticed that what was passionate for me about what I was doing wasn't there anymore. What I loved were, you know, the classes in my own kitchen, uh, you know, with just people sitting there, sharing their ideas, bonding. There, there was a feeling of inclusion and joy and discovery and all of that. And suddenly we were performing for audiences up to 5,000 people at a time with these huge food fairs in different cities for the newspapers and everything. And um, we, we lost our interest in cooking. And besides, women decided to go into the workforce at that point. That was 1983 or so. And we joined this crazy group called, it was called Impact. It was right where, near where you live. 
in Hollywood, we met at six o'clock every morning and there were like two or 300 of us and we had to make up a goal that was really confronting that we didn't think we could actually do, but we were gonna give it everything. And that's where I met Jack Canfield who uh, hadn't yet written a book and Dr. Barbara DeAngelis and all these interesting people. And we were invited to go into the Soviet Union as part of a group to make a documentary. And we had Barbara Marks Hubbard with us and Dennis Weaver and Mike Farrell from MASH and Thrill Pash Adams. And what I discovered on that trip was that people sitting around the table were sharing resources and encouraging each other. And all of these people were activists and they all needed lots and lots of help and encouragement. And I thought, my gosh, we don't have to make the food in order to gather the people together. So we started something called the Inside Edge, which was amazing. We just finished it up with 36 years. Wow. And uh, I used to give these parties where you had to show up as who you were gonna be in five years. And uh, Jack Canfield um, at our 35th anniversary said that he stole that idea and has used it for every training as the closing uh, party for every training that he's ever done since. Wow. Uh, but, you know, there were people, Louise Hay was there and Dr. Susan Jeffers. And these people would would just encourage each other so much. We had all the greatest speakers. We had 1,500 of the greatest speakers in the world at the time. And there was no internet then. And you couldn't access these people any other way. So it was at the Beverly Hills Hotel and a giant ballroom. And then we had it in other cities. So that was, that's been my, those have been my careers, really. Clicking and then the inside edge. And I'm writing all these books. And now um, I just was widowed for the second time. And I am amazed at how brilliant my life still is. You know, I just, it's almost every day some magical thing happens that some new opportunity or being on your show, you know, meeting you. It's really, um, it's really great. I can't complain about a thing. So isn't that, but, but that's your, it's your attitude. It's your perception. Somebody else would be like, my husband's died on me. I've lost two dogs. I know. It's all perception. And, and look at you. That is beautiful. Well, I just decide to delight myself every day. <laughs> and you came up with the best word, delight. I might have to steal that. Like, <laughs> don't take it too far because I'm kind of attached to it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's, I'll always give you a point. Diana would say delight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is amazing. So tell me about your what the lifetime, the story with your first husband. Oh my gosh, this my story with my first husband. Let me grab my book. This is the most wonderful book. It took me 10 years to write. Wow. And I he was my passion. I met him so magically in the lobby of a Hong Kong hotel. I had gotten dressed up, all dressed up, went and stood down in the lobby like at six o'clock in the morning, not knowing what I was doing there. Hotel lobbies are good for me, actually. <laughs> and the elevator door opened and out walked Paul Von Willenetz. And I, I looked at him and I thought, oh, my God, that's the best looking man I've ever seen in my life. And three days later, we were engaged. So wow. we had this passionate, passionate marriage. He was just a fabulous man. And uh, he loved making food beautiful and all of that. So he joined me in my cooking classes and the women loved him so much. And we were the only cooking couple out there at the time, you know, so that was just a blast. We just fantastic. And then 25 years later, just after our 25th anniversary, um, 
we had celebrated and gone to light a candle after dinner about the next 25 years and neither one of us could think of anything to say. And I remember this thought going through my mind of, is this our last anniversary? And the next day he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Oh, wow. So he was gone in four months, but just before he passed, he said, I don't want you to be alone. I said, send me someone. He said, I will. And that's the name of my book, Send Me Someone. And that's the book that kind of tells my whole life and that Lifetime bought the rights for for a movie. But they didn't get it made in time, so I have the rights back. Okay. Well, then maybe you'll make it for somebody else. But so did, he send, so did he send you your next husband? Two months later, into the inside edge, walks Ted Wentworth. He had been looking for his new wife for two years because he'd lost his wife to cancer. So he walked in with a man who brought him there and he said, she's here. My new wife is in this room. And I was hosting that day. And somebody asked me, how are you doing, Diana? Because I was so recently widowed. I said, actually, you know, solitude is pretty interesting. I, I like it. And any man who looks at me with the idea of a live-in relationship could become the victim of an axe murder. I mean, I've never said anything like that either. It was like the Elvis blurt, you know. And so Ted was in the audience. He was there for the first time. And during the intermission, he came up to me and he said, will you live with me? And it was the first thing he ever said to me. And we were married six months later. For 31 years, we were married. Yeah. I've had two incredible, fabulous, romantic um, husbands who were capable of, you know, true partnership and great intimacy. So I've been... Super blessed. I always tell women to, to marry a man, choose a man who, who respects the divine feminine, who honors women. That, that makes all the difference. Both my husbands just really treated me beautifully and honored me and valued my ideas. And, you know, it, it, we were full partners. It was great. That is beautiful. <laughs> so and now people, I know many people are watching or listening and they're going, oh my gosh, how did this woman accomplish all this stuff? And I know you coach in this. How do, if somebody's sitting there, as probably everybody on the planet, have my life is a mess. My, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Pandemics, work, I'm confused. I do or don't have love. It's not good. What's like the first thing you even tell, do you go start somewhere? Do you, so yeah, what are, what are you gonna do? <laughs> it's very important how you start your day because, you know, your thoughts, you can choose any thought. But what happens? We wake up. We're, we're, we're humans. We have this survival thing that kicks in and, and we wake up and we think, oh, Lord, what do I have to do today? You know, what's on my list? What responsibilities do I have? You know, and then you start going through this whole thing. So I, it's very important to catch that right away. And it's very important to smile. Just smile like you mean it. Smile from your heart. And then ask yourself what I call a quintessential question. So this is a question that delights you. This is a question that has part of the answer in the question. So it can be something like, where's the most joy to be found today? Or how can I most effectively light up this world? And then you'll find as you begin to move around or you're in the shower, you're going to have an idea about something that would be really fun or something that you can do that's really going to make an impact. And um, I spend two hours in bed every morning. I go back to bed with an app called Newcom. And it is, it takes your, you can choose any mental state with it. And what I find is that 
asking these questions. I just keep asking these questions. And then all of a sudden, all these answers start flowing in. And um, all my most brilliant work is done before I get out of the bed in the morning. <laughs> wow. So do you grab a pencil? Do you grab your tablet? Do, do you... you know what? I grab my phone okay. and I put on the notes app and I push the microphone. And now I find that I can dictate uh, three or 4,000 words before I get out of bed. And it's very conversational. So it's not like sitting at, at your desk at the computer with your keyboard and, and saying, come on, muse, come on. No, it's like it just starts pouring out of me and it's coming from a very deep, authentic place. So I, I get to be super productive uh, first thing in the morning. And then I just basically follow the directions that have come through for the day. That's amazing. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, that is great. <laughs> yeah, because that is beautiful. So now when you work that, you're obviously a very spiritual woman. You're very in tune. We are a very empathic woman. You've you got all the, these beautiful gifts. Now, if somebody's sitting there going, where am I going to get this information? Are you, are you going to send them to a higher power, to their higher self, let them to know spirit guides? Or how do, how do you just go the general information? Oh, gosh, I think it's, it's a skill that one needs to practice. And I took a lot of journal classes at UCLA uh, where you would dialogue with like um, a wisdom figure or somebody who's passed or something like that. And you really train yourself to sit down and to create a dialogue in a certain way that I often teach in my coaching um, where you make a list of whatever person or you can even dialogue with a project uh, and get information on what it is that's the bottom line that's going to make it work. You know, I use this all the time. So and, and the intensity with which you ask is vital, especially since my my second husband passed. I'm all alone now and there's nobody next door. So I can if I call it spiritual alchemy. I ask really loud. I say, hey, come on, all my guides and angels. I need a miracle. I need it right now. And when I do that, it happens. So there's, it's in, the intensity is the feeling, the desire needs to be big in yeah. order to get big answers, I think. That, at least that's what I've discovered. Uh, that works perfectly well with my way that I do what I call witchcraft and practice it. It's your intention. It's the passion. It's the faith. It's the belief. Yeah. The yeah. energy you put into it exactly it's all creating the same thing whatever words you're using oh, i love that yeah and it just it works so great i just want everybody to know about it i really do okay so everybody get up set a good day for yourself what can you do I, what better than bringing joy or bringing mm -hmm. to the world and getting out of the, i gotta do this and i gotta do that um and whether you go back to bed with an app or not Right. Is that like a meditation app? Is that a? It is. You know, you can find out about it on my website. I have a special page for it. It is the most remarkable thing. It's the only patented brain science, and Tony Robbins insists that everybody that works with him on a high level uses this. It's really a way of of just dialing in the mental state that you want, and it works. It absolutely works. Okay. So, what do you think? It that's fab. I'm going to go get it. So, um, so what, 
what do you think? So you obviously high, hang out with high achievers, people, yeah. uh, Tony Robbins, uh, Jack Canfield, all these people you've mentioned. What makes them different than all these people listening to the show or watching the show? Is it that intensity? Is it the focus? Is it desire? I think, I think these people have taken a core wound. Mine was loneliness. I was thrown into a boarding school all by myself. I think if you, I, I had a conversation with Jack Canfield about this one time. And uh, he, there were reasons that his self-esteem really suffered when he was young. And he ended up teaching self-esteem in the schools before he started writing all of his books. And when you think about Jack and what he offers, he offers so much encouragement and expertise and, and all of that. And my core wound of loneliness made me want to gather people around, you know, to have, to be received and to be able to feel at home and as part of a, a family and a community. So I think we either, if we choose something as a curse and complain about it and drag on, you know, about how, how awful it was, uh, we don't take advantage of the, it, it really is a gift. It sets us in the direction if we're awake, to get out there and heal it, you know? So, and I would say, I would say that all, all of those people that I knew, all of them were just, had not written books yet. Um, Susan Jeffers showed up at our five-year ahead party, got out of a limousine with three mock books. And she said that she had just returned from her third New York Times bestseller tour. And her first book was Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, which became a huge international bestseller. And um, she wrote two more in those five years. So, I mean, it, it, there's something in us that'll wake up if we will go back. I take people back in seven-year increments in their life to find the red threads. You know, there's a, there's a wonderful legend. The Chinese have a legend that when we're born that we are connected by an invisible red thread to all those we are destined to meet. And the Inuit culture believes there's a red thread that weaves together the meaning in our lives. Mm -hmm. And Jung talked about our red thread being the umbilical cord that, you know, I mean, this is just in us, this whole red thread thing. And now quantum physics and the string theory and all of that, um, is becoming so key because I think we're at a time in our evolution when we are um, actually teaching ourselves from the inside. We don't go out and have to buy every self-help book anymore. It's all in here. It's just a matter of learning to access it and work with it and partner with it, partner with the divine. Right. No, I I love it. And, and science and spirituality is crashing together with the quantum side. This makes me so happy. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> so um, so what is next for you? Do you know what your your next project or that you can talk about? I know we can't always talk about all of our next coming projects. Well, I've got some great things. This past year, uh, my business partner, Robin Mullen, who was the president of the Inside Edge, uh, she and I decided to do wisdom circles for women especially to really uh, have a group of really like-minded women that we can delve into. The word encore came to me very magically because somebody who was a medium that I didn't even know 
um, told me that Ted had come to her, this is my, my most recent lost husband, and said that he wanted to give me a message and that I should remember what it was like to look into his eyes. So in meditation, I did that. And I heard the word encore. And of course, I'm 80 years old. It was encore at 80. So Robert and I gave a nine-month uh, wisdom circle called the Encore Wisdom Circle for 12 women. And the, what they created, people, these women were so great. They bonded so deeply. And one of the women had written a novel that uh, she couldn't sell to a major publisher because she was 60 and she didn't have a major platform, you know, which is what they insist on. So she published it herself beautifully and Writer's Digest just had a contest for the very best self-published novel. And out of 1500 entries, she won first place. So, wow. you know, I mean, it's just, it's so exciting to see women brainstorm for each other uh, about what, what's next, you know, what, what can be a legacy project or what could be really exciting to do now that you've already mastered so many things. And uh, so we're offering that again. And I, uh, all my coaching has to do with, you know, how to live your life most magically and uh, look, at your, look at your life in these increments and find those red threads of joy and delight. And that's your essence. You know, I, I think all of us, like Gary Zukoff was our last speaker at the Inside Edge, and he talked about aligning your personality and your soul. And I coined a term called from ego to essence. So I'm always discerning where, where my energy is coming from in different situations and wanting to, to be in my essence and expressing that in the best way that I can. So that's what I love to help people discover about themselves because there's so much joy and creativity attached to what we were drawn to, even as children. Uh, that we we can look back on and retrieve and bring out now. That's beautiful. So you obviously the empowerment type support type groups. It, it's sounding like it's a combination of accountability, mm -hmm. support, um, encouragement, and right. then just striking the limit and just bonding. You know, there's something about uh, women coming together and caring about each other and sparking delight in each other. And then we had a retreat at the end in Palm Springs where all the women gathered and we had three days of celebration, um, just celebrating all of the progress everybody'd made in, in new directions that were unexpected. Wow. Yeah, so fun. Okay. So, ah, so many questions. So, okay, all my beautiful <laughs> listeners or watchers going right now, going, I want some of this, and they're going to look up the app, and they're going to do things. What are some of the things that we do wrong, being the silly humans that we are? Is it just like falling to well, the negative side? We, we think that we are uh, trapped by our thoughts, you know, and it's really just a matter of snapping out of it. You know, if you get into a thought pattern that is leading you into a spiral down. Uh, there's a technique that I teach um, that when you're in a dark place, when you're having a very, very painful thought, this is from Pema Chodron, who's a Buddhist nun, who is fabulous. 
And she talks about this 90 second technique. So most of us try to stifle that feeling. We try to skip away from it. We might say cancel, cancel, or yeah. uh, try to change it. But the thing is that if you find where that sensation of that feeling is in your body, it's got a location, it's somewhere. And once you find it, then intensify it as much as you possibly can. I mean, just really exaggerate it and feel it and feel it and feel it for 90 seconds. And it, it just dissipates. Wow. So I think one has to be willing to choose to change the thought. Um, I think depression comes from when we're almost enjoying the pain, you know, and we, we don't do the activities. We don't do things that we know can bring us up. So it's yeah. so important to do that. I love that because I, again, I'm in the where in the, I'm the first where in the body is it because it's going to be somewhere, but I have never done the intensify it there before. So new techniques, this is beautiful. Yeah, feel it as much as you can because otherwise it won't go away. Yeah, It'll you don't want to bury anything. Right, no, yeah. We don't want to have to go dig that up. It's just, and it's easy. It really is. And they say and if, you, if you catch a thought in 17 seconds, that it's, it's easy to change it. Uh, there's been some research on that. So that's why in the morning I smile and I ask myself, a, you know, a cool question, something that, that has some juice to it that makes me feel like uh, the day can be great. Oh, that is great. So what can I do to bring joy to myself, joy to the world, happiness? Yeah, enjoy the world, sing the hymn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you think, before we go, so we're just coming out of, hopefully coming out of this crazy two-year pandemic, the world looks crazy to people. I mean, there's always been unrest and strife, but it's never been to the state of Instagram, Twitter, 500 Yeah we're bombarded with it and this very very scary for the world pandemic we've never gone anything in our lifetimes like this mm -hmm. um do you do you see more people like going oh wait i have to do something like see taking programs like yours coming into finding something to just well i think we're becoming more alive than alive i really do when we are aware that we can be taught from the inside out that there is all the wisdom, all the, there's so much invisible help. I mean, you know this, Patty. There's so much invisible help available to us. And it's just a matter of culturing our communication with that so that we can partner with it. And I, I swear, every single day, there's some kind of powerful, joyful, amazing opportunity that comes to me that I could never expect. And it, that's available to everybody. And your first word starting out, curse or a blessing, that, that's still ringing. It's like, it, we get to choose that, what it is. Yeah, for it's sure. That dance between fate and destiny and free will. And it's amazing. Well, it's just so much magic. I mean, how in the world do I meet my husband in a hotel lobby like that, you know, and standing there for no reason. If When you follow these impulses, like suddenly I'll go for a walk and I meet the most interesting person that I could meet and get invited to do something else. And, you know, it's just trust this, trust it's here. We are the divine in action. Yes. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you, Diana Wentworth. Please tell my people now that they are all intrigued and hanging on your every word. You can reach me at Diana at uh, dianawentworth.com. That's my email, but you can just go to dianawentworth.com and scroll through the pages. There are all sorts of interesting things there that are uh, coming up, including Women Gone Wild, which you and I are doing together. Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah. yeah. Project. And that's where I get, and, and again, I had the honor of having a coaching session with you and it brilliant. Thank so you. you. I loved it. I love, I love working individually with women. I, I could see shifts just right now, you know, it's so great. Easy as we allow it. So, mm -hmm. so thank you, you guys check her out, buy her, get her books and books are probably available everywhere. Right? Yeah, Amazon has everything. <laughs> everything so so thank you thank you thank you for bringing your delightful magic to oh. the witching hour thank you what a joy to be with you i just loved it